1: This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true
0: and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out, ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out,
1: ring it out, ring it out, ring it out, ring out. All right, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I'm the minister with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, I, I'm a little uh, behind today. I, I didn't get Sage or Steve or another to join me with the program. So we won't be looking at Philippians or any controversial topics in the news today. So I thought I should continue working on catching up on my recordings of the book of Revelation. If you haven't heard the introduction or chapters 1 and 2, you can find those on our program online. If you go to www nvcoc.net That stands for the North Valley Church of Christ. Go there and there's a radio mic. You'll see it there on the front page. Click on that radio mic and it's going to take you to the most recent program that we are recording here today as well as all our past programs. You'll see a whole bunch in there. The ones on gun control. you see things on Philippians. And you'll also see uh, Revelation. You may have to scroll down a little bit to catch find the catch up. Uh, you can sort by category. There's a Revelation category there. And you'll find that one. You can listen to the introduction, chapters 1, chapter 2. And today we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Uh, I'm approaching this, and for the lack of a better term, in the most simplistic way that I can. I don't want to muddy the waters. I think Revelation can be Easily understood, given time and, uh, and hard work. But I, I also don't want to, like I just said, muddy the waters with all these different possibilities out there. We're, we're in an easy section right now with the letters to, to to, Asia, the seven churches of Asia were the last part. But you'll see that as we move along. I'm going to keep this simple. I'm not going to uh, delve too much into things, I, I, but I'm going to try to simply just keep with the point that John is making that God wants John to see in these visions, which are like a portrait, like a picture. A picture can be worth a thousand words, but you don't need a thousand words to get to the point that God wants us to see. Now, let's get over here to chapter 3. We are going to be looking at the last three uh, letters to the churches there, and the first one is verses 1 through 6, Sardis. The text reads... To the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard, and keep it, and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and, have, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments and i will not erase his name from the book of life and i will confess his name before my father and before his angels he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches verse 1 you got the seven spirits there uh, a, a a holy spirit the holy spirit they're not they're not necessarily the third person of the godhead i know a lot of people think that but don't don't let your mind get entrapped in that. It's it's a Holy Spirit. We went through that in the introduction. Uh, Seven stars. uh, Angels of the seven churches. That's from chapter 1, verse 20. Now, I'm just going to throw this question out there. I'm not going to answer it here, but to think about this, why are these two characteristics given to this church? They're dead, right? Think about that. Why is this written here? Think on that one. All right, he opens up there, and that uh, also that first verse. You have a name, you know, wearing the name of Christ. Perhaps a good reputation, but what is? Well, but the reality is, even though they have that name, they're dead. In other words, like here at North Five, we got the the name, the Church of Christ, up there on our sign. Is that a description of who we are, or are we just putting pinning that on as a name? Is it does it not really reflect? who we are. I think that's what's going on here with Sardis. And so Jesus is telling them, "Wake up." Who, you know, who who you usually speak these words to? Somebody who's asleep. They're unaware of what's going on. When you're asleep, you, you have no idea what's going on. You're completely oblivious. And so they're oblivious. They don't they're unaware of their their real state. So Jesus is telling them, "Man, you <laughs> you better wake up." There's things that are about to die, like brightly burning coals that are slowly losing their glow. And Jesus has not found that their deeds have been completed. The form is there, you know, you know. They got all the form right, but the essence behind that form is lacking. Their religion has become hollow. They're not filled full. A, a good start does not ensure ultimate. Success. Uh, Jenny and I have been watching this show called the the Great British Baking Show. It's on Netflix, and uh, the look is important. And, and a lot of the people on that show, they're really focused on making their their dish their, that they're presenting look really good. And it may look great, but if the taste is not there, it doesn't matter how good it looks, it's out of there. And even some of those whose who's look just as you know, that's okay. Look, but boy, if it tastes fantastic. Well, he really likes that. That's 90%, I think the judges say, is that the taste. Yeah, I want it to look good, but it better taste good. You better taste good on the inside, is what Jesus is saying. Wake up to the reality. Verse 3. What you received and what you heard, that's the gospel. That's salvation. That's hope. They need to repent. Change their present course and get on track. Why? Jesus, Jesus could come. And go in judgment against this church, and they wouldn't even know it because they are asleep. Now there's a few people there in verse four. Some uh, congregations as a whole may be displeasing to God, but individual Christians can be acceptable. So there's a few people there that are acceptable, but what the congregation as a whole falls asleep. Uh, those who are acceptable, they will walk with the Lord in white. That uh, those walk indicate, uh, walking indicates that they're on a journey; it's not yet complete. Probably they keep on, keeping on for the Lord. Um, they're clothed in white garments as a symbol of purity and victory. He's not going to erase their name. Uh, that's the erasing from the book of life, chapter twenty, verse fifteen, and uh, the confessing of His name. That, that is, they they have are not ashamed of Christ. They know who they whom they belong to and what's required of them to die to self. Now I would summarize the description of this church like this. It's a dead church. They're dead, spiritually asleep. Perhaps resting on the laurels of their past glory. Well, we've look at all that we've done. You know, we've done our job. It's up to everyone else. We're just going to sit back, relax, and retire, right? No. Now they're dead. Wake up. Jesus may come at any hour. You don't know. You better wake up. So at Sardis, verses 7 to 13, the city of Philadelphia. Starting in verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut, because you have a little power, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan, who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie, I will make them come and bow down at your feet, and make them know that I have loved you. "...because you have kept the word of my perseverance. I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it any more." And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, so here we are. we got the Church of Philadelphia next. That word, Philadelphia, means city of brotherly love. And it uh, seems to be going well here. Um, our city of Philadelphia here in the United States, not so much brotherly love. They're not living up to the name. Uh, verse 7, he opens up with the key of David. What's that? Well, the authority of the throne of David, I think. Christ rules over the messianic kingdom. He is the son of David who, ha- who was to come. Uh, Isaiah twenty two twenty two, Luke one thirty, Acts two twenty nine to thirty six. All that points to him being the, uh, of that line. So he, that's who Jesus is. That's a, a description of who he is here. So to so this church, uh, Jesus is holy. He's the one that is true. He's the one who does have the key. He has authority. No one will shut. Uh, or sorry, uh, uh, yeah. He's the one who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens. In other words, he's got all the authority. When he decides the door's open, it's open. When he decides the door's shut, that's it. No more opportunity. And he lays before them an open door, verse 8. Could mean opportunities for service and spreading the gospel. That's what I think that is here. Um, definitely that God, the Lord is providing some opportunity. I'm going to give you an open door, but notice he he. he pr- Sets in front of them an open door, they have to decide to go in it. We need to always be looking for open doors, folks. God is is going to provide us with all that we need, but he's not going to shove it down our throats or force us into any particular direction. We need to decide to do it. I pray uh, all the time that the Lord may send folks to me for Bible study, but I better have ears to hear and eyes to see those opportunities. And that means I need to have the wisdom and the ability to discern those who are truly looking. And Satan's going to be sending people my way also uh, and to confuse me, throw me off track, so I better be ready. And the best way to do that is to keep my mind and heart in the Word of God, always dying to self and transforming my life. So he provides them that open door. Paul uses the open door imagery to refer to opportunities of teaching the Word in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, 2 Corinthians 2, 12, Colossians 4, 3, other places like that. They have a little power there in verse 8. Success and service is not dependent upon earthly measurements of church size, money, talent, facilities. I don't think he's talking here when he says little power. Not spiritual weakness. More likely, I think he's saying they're small in number. I, I see the greatest growth for the kingdom of God happening from little small congregations, not happening from you know, the big schools of preaching. Yeah, they're doing good works. So don't get me wrong, but some of the best work I see happening out there is happening from small congregations. There's one in Colorado is a congregation, less than 40 people, less than 40. And over the years they have been, they had this internship program that actually I went through and, uh, the the men who w- gone through they have gone to a preacher school then they go through an internship program there the men who have gone through that internship program the gr- vast majority 90% or more are still preaching and great faithful preachers good men and that little congregation is bringing in thousands of dollars every week people are giving not not because oh we're we're, we're look at look at us nothing like that they are giving to the work of the Lord. They have a little power, but they do great things, and as a result, God's gonna give them open doors. Same here with the city or with the the church in Philadelphia. Verse nine, synagogue of Satan there verse nine. What's that? Uh, We see that crop up in chapter two verse nine also. Uh, The claim is that to be Jews, that's what they were claiming, uh, God's chosen, but they are not. God sees them as a gathering unto Satan. So man. And they're going to bow down at the feet of those, that, uh, the Philadelphia congregation may refer to ultimate victory over those who try to stop us from teaching truth. Or it, it might refer to God keeping doors of opportunity open, defeating those who would try and close them. Because they can't. If God opens the door, no one can shut it. But you have to decide to go into it. Verse 10 Word of my perseverance. Steadfastness, or maybe endurance. This is Jesus' endurance. He endured the rejection of the cross, uh, yet suffering and death were involved. Uh, These folks here, they're keeping his word. That's what's going on. Uh, The hour of testing, also there in verse 10. This is is the word for trial, the testing, or temptation. Something's coming. But the congregation in Philadelphia, they're going to be spared, or they're going to be brought safely through, perhaps. The hour is a short period of time, uh, but it's a definite time. Now, some millennialists interpret this as the so-called rapture and great tribulation that will precede Christ's supposed reign on earth. Some believe that this is a reference to the evil leaders of Rome whose edicts affected not only Christians, but all subjects of the empire. I don't think so. I think it's just a great tribulation coming upon the churches in that time when Philadelphia was there and God was going to bring them through that safely. That's all I think that means. Verse 11 He's going to come quickly. We live in the last days. He will come at any moment and uh, they'll receive the crown. That's the symbol of victory. Uh, The pillar in the temple, verse 12 the notes permanence in the heavenly sanctuary. He's going to write upon them note three names name of my God, belonging to God set apart forever as his the city of God, their citizenship in the new Jerusalem. And number three, my name. See verse chapter nineteen, verse twelve and thirteen also. That is their belonging to Christ. They're endorsed by him. I would summarize this congregation as small but faithful. You know, I, I skipped it in the last one, but each each one of these ends with that he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's the mind and heart of Christ, that's the Spirit there. What is he saying to them? You better have ears to hear to discern truth. When people don't understand context or reality, you may speak words to them, but they're completely missing the point because they're not focused on reality of what's really going on. They're asleep. Have you ever tried to explain something to somebody when they as soon as, soon as they wake up that they're they're not aware? They're, they're like, what? What do you mean? What you? Talking? I don't understand. There's a fire, get out. What do you mean, fire? What? I'm still half asleep. Wake up, is what Jesus is telling some of these congregations. This one, small but faithful. They have ears to hear, and they hear the Lord. Sardis, they have ears, but they're not hearing. They're not hearing, and they're in trouble. Laodicea, this is the last one, verses 14 to 22. To the angel of the church in Laodicea right. The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know but you are wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may become rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. The eye, uh, say, uh, save, uh, sorry, the eye, salve, to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will die with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the churches. Oof, loud to see ya. Verse 14. Jesus calls himself the Amen. That's an akin to the word truth. And it expresses a certainty. He is the fearful and true witness. Uh, that's also chapter 1, verse 5. He has faithfully testified of God. Uh, beginning of the creation of God. You see that from Colossians and John as well. All things came into being through Jesus. He is the source, or you could say the origin, of all created things. He is not, as the Jehovah Witnesses suggest, the first thing created. He has always been. He's God. I like verses 15 and 16. You see that uh, there that uh, you're neither cold nor hot, uh, but you're lukewarm. Uh, I I used to teach, and I've heard it taught, and I used to teach this too, that... well. Uh, Cold is, you know, they're they're dead. Hot, oh, you're on fire for Christ. But they're neither. They're not either dead nor uh, on fire. They're lukewarm. Uh, I wish you were one or the other. I don't want to spit you out. I don't think so. I don't think that's what it is. In my mind, both hot and cold are refreshing drinks. In the morning, I like for my coffee to be piping hot. Oh, it's so good. When the afternoon comes, I like to get a nice ice cold water or something like that to drink it is not good when my water becomes room temperature lukewarm or when the coffee becomes lukewarm it's oh gross you know i just just jump back that is not what i was wanting it's gross i spit it out it's disgusting it's not refreshing in any way it's not cold which is refreshing it's not hot which is refreshing that's what god wants i want you to be refreshing to me but you're not what are you you're lukewarm you're not doing anything good. You're, you're in, in no way refreshing to me. So he spits them out. No longer palatable to the Lord. They're unacceptable to the Lord. Verse 17. What do they say? Oh, I'm rich. Wealth can bring a sense of self-sufficiency and cause us to have an inflated view of ourselves. But the Lord sees us as we really are. He knows the truth. And so he's advising them. All right, you've you got a lot of wealth. You buy a lot of things. But I want to tell you what you ought to be buying. You ought to be buying from me. I like that parable that Jesus gives about the man who's walking along and he stumbles across a a great treasure in a field. And what does he do? He goes and sells all that he has. And he goes and he buys that field so he can obtain that treasure. Everything he has, he gets rid of it so that he can have that one thing. Jesus is telling them, you need to sell all that you have, and buy from me. Not the literal things he's saying here. This is just things that uh, uh, to symbolically show uh, what they really are. So buy from me. Uh, what are the things that he wants them to buy? Verse 18. Gold refined by fire. This is not literal gold, but the truth. So that you may become rich. White garments. Put on real garments. Right now, you're, you're blind. You don't see that you're naked. One day you will see it, and I hope you... See it before my time when I come. You better put on some clothes. You better put on my clothes because you're naked and you're ashamed. You don't even know it yet. And then at ISAF, Laodicea had a famous school of medicine that developed an eye medication known as the Fijian powder. It was widely used. The church is blind to its own condition, and only Jesus can open their eyes to see the truth. That there in verse 19, you get the word love. That's the Greek word phileo, or the love of family affection. Just as fathers discipline their children because they love them, so does the Lord. Now Jesus is standing at the door. Why is Jesus on the outside of this church? Will they let him back in? He's pleading with us. He's pleading with He Odysseus. Hey, why am I out here? Let me in. Guys, you must invite me in. Christians can be severed from Christ. They can fall from grace. Galatians 5, 4. And he wants to dine with them. He wants to have fellowship with them. But apparently right now, fellowship is not happening. Because Jesus is outside. He's wondering, hey, who closed the door on me? Why am I, why am I not in there fellowshipping with you? Why did you send me out here? He's knocking. Loud to see you, Let me in. A lot of congregations are like this. He wants them to sit down with him, a picture of shared victory, royal fellowship. How do you summarize the description of this church? Materialistic, self-satisfied, lukewarm, that is, apathetic. They think they're saved, they're not. They think they're doing well, they're not. They're doing poorly. And that is the end of chapter 3, and the end of the seven verses. Uh, letters to the seven congregations seven in Asia. Now, I, I think it's these seven because of all these congregations, all seven of these, you could categorize any congregation in today's generation into one of these seven. We could all thought. That's why I think these were picked out for here. He wasn't just picking them out just because oh, I need to deal with these guys specifically. I think it was each one of these because each one showed something that we can find in any congregation in any generation I think the book of Revelation is meant for any generation. It wasn't just for that generation. But the things that they're facing is the same things that we will face in any given generation throughout history. This is here for our learning and for our understanding. Let us know the truth. Let us have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit says. And the Spirit here it's the mind and heart of Christ. He's tell, He's talking to us through his word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ, Romans ten seventeen. Let us hear that word. Let's get it deep into the word and know the truth. Well, I, I want to encourage you again, if you got into uh, this uh, halfway through, you can catch this program, the whole thing, and the previous programs I've had online. Go to www.nvcoc.net. Click on that radio mic. Not only will you find today's program uh, here on 9 3 2019, September 3rd, but any other uh, one that I've done in the past. And this is part of a series, I'm doing several series. But this one's part of the Revelation one. And I got an introduction. Chapter one, chapter two is already done. Here's chapter three. We'll continue to do more as, as the time goes on. So I encourage you to get on there, hit, uh, listen to that, and let me know your comments. Let us make the most of every opportunity, folks, so that we can always do the will of God. Thank you. Sin
0: and doubt to sweep away till on the better day. Ring it out, Bring it out, bring it out, bring it, it out, till the sinful world be won for Jehovah's mighty Son. Ring it, out, ring, it out, ring it out, ring it out, ring
1: it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.